shotglassdigital.com. this episode of Geek Out Loud, I have no idea what we're going to be geeking out about. We're just going to jump in the mailbag and see where it takes us. Because you know what? After all, this is your safe place to geek out. This is the Geek Out Loud Podcast. Again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. And uh, I don't, I don't want to insult anybody by saying that this is the flagship show of the Goliverse, but it's the flagship show of the Goliverse. There's, this is it, man. This is what we do, and uh, this is where it all started. This is the, this is the beginning. This means something. This is real. This is Geek Out Loud, and so glad to be along with you. I'm Steve Gloss, and I don't know if I said that yet, so let me just go ahead and say, I, I'm i Steve Glosson, and there's no one with me. It's all me tonight, gang. Uh, we I'm doing something that no podcaster should ever do. I'm sitting here with no notes, no lineup, no rundown, all the plugs and stuff I've got to do off the top of my head from memory. I do have a fun story to tell that took place over this past weekend, and, and there'll be some shout-outs involved in it, but but I, I don't know where that's going to happen in the show, so hang on tight because you don't know what's going on. We do have some announcements to make, but I don't know where those announcements are going to be made. I do know this. I want to thank everyone who is supporting us through Patreon at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. This weekend, uh, for those of you who are at the $5 level and more, you'll be getting the uh, next and the exclusive uh, line of podcast. It'll be our uh, commentary for The Incredible Hulk, Marvel's studio's second movie uh, that they put out and the first of a connected universe um, of movies. And so it, it's I'm looking forward to it because I love that movie. And so you're going to hear that come across in the commentary itself. You know, I realize how arrogant it is for me to sit down and do this and think, well, people want to hear me talk. I don't, I don't, I just, I, I mean, it's just what I do. You know, it's, I don't have any, I don't have anything else to offer the world but this move right here, sitting down in a chair, turning on a microphone and running my mouth. Were there a worldwide apocalypse where you could only survive based on uh, the skills and the goods that you bring to the table? I'd be one of the first to die. So, you know, that's that's all I'm saying. 
is is that is that this is what I do, and uh, and I appreciate you guys who have supported us in, over at Patreon at any level. I, your 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 support means the world to me, and I can't say it enough and just how huge it is our featured supporter tonight on this episode is jess becker mystic energy's course through jess's veins she is a sorceress supreme who can see in who can see an enemy's move before it's ever made jess becker patreon supporter and we appreciate uh jess's support and uh and your support all of you who support uh the goaliverse at patreon.com Slash Geek Out Loud. I also appreciate your support by going over to geekoutonline.com and using the Amazon link to do your shopping. As I understand, you're supposed to clear your cookies, but over to the left at the Geek Out Online page, you will see uh, an Amazon uh, thingy link. And it's more than a link. You can actually search. There's a search bar there. You can actually search in the search bar. And, uh, and it'll take you to Amazon to do your shopping. And when you shop through Amazon, it helps out. So I appreciate that and, uh, and appreciate you doing that. It helps the shows out in a tremendous way. Hey, we did say we have, I did say I have some announcements to make. Let's see how this announcement works out. It didn't, it didn't work out at all. That was the wrong, that was the wrong thing. Um, hmm. That's not even a, a sound file. And it looked like it was. It has fooled me. Curse you, sound files. You have indeed fooled me. But it will not happen twice. Nay. Nay, nay, I say. <laughs> Teach me how to nay, nay. Shan't happen again. I'm telling you that right now. Um, do I not have... I'll be John Brown. I thought I had this. This is for those of you who don't listen to the Big Honkin Show. This is what happens all the time on the Big Honkin Show. I just kind of decide, hey, you know what? I want to play this right now, and then I try to find it. And when I can't find it, I try to vamp until I can find it. So what you're getting right now is probably going to be the worst episode of um, uh, of Geek Out Loud ever. I mean, really, Sci-Fi Now, get ready because get get your hands on on the whoop. Now, you may be saying, why are we listening to, to a Batman theme in such poor quality? Oh, we're not. This is the theme from 1990's Flash, or The Flash, uh, which aired on CBS. Uh, and now, CW has aired their new series, The Flash. And you can listen to myself and Derek Russell talk all about it on Starkville Labs. Starkville Labs is our show dedicated to the CW television series, Flash. Is it The Flash or is it just Flash? The point is this. We've uh, got the first episode up and available for you at StarkvilleLabs.com. Check it out. We're finding our groove again with talking about TV series and that sort of thing. And uh, and we had a good time. Hopefully you'll have a good time listening to it and tell all your friends about Starkville Labs with Steve and Derek and Mylanta at all the... This is just weird stuff. It's playing all over again. That is a terrible version of that song. There has to be a better version of of that theme. Let's see. Oh, look at there. I should have clicked on this one. 
Now, Starkville Labs is not a Goliverse show proper, and uh, it's, it's its own thing. It's a Starkville show. It'll be happening at StarkvilleLabs.com and on iTunes. So uh, the first episode, as I said, is available for download now. StarkvilleLabs.com. We're not quite on iTunes yet. You have to go through all kinds of... Uh, you can't just put a put a podcast up there and be good to go. They have to approve it and, and, and like it and let you do it. So uh, give it time, and it'll be on... It'll be on... Um, It'll be on iTunes soon enough, soon enough. But it won't be in the geek. It will not be. You will not see it in the Geek Out Loud feed or any of the Goliverse feed. Um, before we jump into emails, I want to give a big shout out to Scott Rifen. Scott's uh, not only involved with a podcast called Dinner for Geeks, he also does a podcast called My Star Wars Story. And this past weekend, uh, I met him. I met Scott and his wife. <clears throat> over in Brunswick, Georgia, where we sat at a little pub and talked Star Wars for a good two hours. It was um, it was a good time. Let me give you a taste real quick of my Star Wars story. Well, this is not mine. This is like a, a clip from, from an episode of my Star Wars story. This is the Fox Fanfare a play. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. I'm Scott Gardner, and this is my Star Wars story. In 1977, the world changed. The film industry was transformed. The popular culture rocked. And young minds forever altered. Star Wars arrived, and nothing would ever be the same again. Though everyone wasn't affected in the same way, everyone was affected. This is my Star Wars story. When did you first hear about Star Wars? I remember my, it was one of my uncles came in we were together as a family we we almost always when i was a kid we almost always got together as a family at my uh gardener grandparents house and i can distinctly remember one of my uncles uh it was one of the younger uncles that was like just a few years older than than um than i was i wish i could remember which one it was anyway he i remember him coming into the house and just raving about this new movie that he had seen. And I cannot remember... So, let me tell you something. There's nothing better than sitting around with new friends and talking Star Wars. And that's what we did. And it was so, so much fun. So, we'll let you know when that episode is released at My Star Wars Story. You can check out Scott Reif and great guy, great broadcaster. Not just a podcaster, but a broadcaster here over in the Brunswick, Georgia area. And uh, make sure that you, you give him a shout out and let him know that you appreciate him having me on. Now, meanwhile, meanwhile, we, uh, after we got through talking, we went and, uh, and, and met up with another new friend of mine. Uh, and man, what a good time. Uh, as we went and met uh, Thomas Merritt. I got to give the guy a shout out, Thomas Merritt. And Thomas... Uh, has a great collection of Star Wars memorabilia uh, spanning from the mid-90s right on through 
to recent times. And Thomas had just, uh, he's got two buildings and they're just really, they're just stocked full of like just Star Wars stuff. And it's, and it's a neat walk down memory lane because a lot of the stuff I was seeing was like, oh, and then there's stuff that I see like figures and stuff. I'm like, oh, I was never able to get that. How did you get that? He's like, never bought anything off eBay. And I'm like, that is ridiculous. How do you do this without buying it off of eBay? But he did. And Thomas was kind enough to give us a, a tour of his, of his place and, and show us some of his artwork. He's a great artist and, um, and had some really, really, uh, good stuff. And, um, and, and really, uh, I was just blown away. I was really blown away by his hospitality and his collection. Thomas, just super nice guy. And, uh, funny enough, I kind of grew up right around the curve from where Thomas is, uh, down over this side of Georgia. So, um, all this time there was a huge Star Wars fan not far from me and no idea. Crazy. That's crazy. That's a crazy bird. But Thomas, thanks so much for that and, and appreciate your hospitality and letting us uh, come and look through and look around your collection and just so much cool stuff there. And one of the luckiest dudes in the world, too. There were a couple of pieces we had. I was like, well, we're now where'd that come from? Well, I won a contest. You, you won a contest. Then a few minutes later, hey, where'd this come from? Well, there was this contest. You won another contest. I mean, just one of the luckiest jokers in the world, uh, as well as being super kind and, and very nice. I want to address something uh, that's going on right now in the chat. Um, Dewey the Mailman uh, talking about someone who, who hates Superman unless he wears his underwear on the outside of his pants. And Alicia in the chat, the Admiral, makes a point that I've made for a long time. I'm not one of these people who are like, oh, the new 52 Superman is not for me because the costume is terrible. I was never that person, all right? But I did say those red trunks really helped pull it all together. You know, it was a nice way of breaking things up. And I never hear anyone dog on Batman for wearing his... Uh, black trunks on the outside of that gray or blue trunks on the outside of that gray depending on what color scheme he's gone with that day so lay off of superman and his red trunk and the red trunk hatred it's not underwear on the outside it's um it's it's a fashion statement and it looks great so there you go that's all i'm saying about that but admiral and i are on the same page and i appreciate the admiral getting my back on that as i said listen if you can't tell it by now uh i have no idea where this episode's going no idea. There may or may not be a bad impressions theater at the end. I don't know. I don't. I don't have anything necessarily for it. I, I've pulled something up that may work since it's since it's now October, and we're getting into the toward the Halloween times. You know that everyone loves. I'm not a fan of Halloween. This is more big honking show talk. I know, but I'm just not a big fan of Halloween. I'm just not. It's not something that I look at and I'm like, oh, this is the most amazing day of the week. Or the month, or the year, whatever it is. I'm more of a Christmas guy, you know, because in my estimation, you got peace on love, good peace, peace on love, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, or boo, Satan's birthday. You know, I, I'm just saying, um, a lot of people dig the Halloween, and so, but I don't know, I don't know where we're going. I do know this, ladies and gentlemen. I do know this. We will now. Jump into some emails. Well, 
Before we jump into the emails proper, I have two things. Number one, I did bite the bullet and uh, subscribe to Marvel Unlimited. Uh, if you've not checked out the service of Marvel Unlimited and you're a comic book reader, if you're, if you're wanting a collection, if you're wanting to have like all the hard copies in your hand and stuff, it's not going to be for you. But if you're like me and you just love these characters and you want to read what's going on with them and, and keep up with the stories, then the Marvel Unlimited service is for you. It's like it's like Netflix uh, for comic books. It's really a great service. It's nine ninety. I think it's like nine ninety nine a month. And I've already read way more than ten dollars worth of comics, and I just bit the bullet on it uh, like Monday. So. You know, it's I, I sit there while I'm at work and we're dead. If there's nothing going on, I'll pull up a comic and read it. I'll read a comic during lunch. I'll read a comic while I'm eating supper. I'll read a comic while I'm eating breakfast. Uh, you, you know, at night I'll wind down. How? By reading a comic. I've read already more than enough to, to cover the $10 thing, and, and I'm only, I haven't even begun to read Marvel Unlimited. You have no idea what you've unleashed on the masses because yours truly is going to be back in comics, and I'm loving every minute of it. Now, uh, the other thing we have is, if I can find it really quickly, ah, here it is. We have a voicemail uh, from our friend Dominique Garant. Let's play that. Hello, Steve. This is Dominique, International Man of Mystery. Yes. I'm talking talking to you straight from uh, French Canada, which explained my outrageous accent, or uh, maybe I should say my hashtag tremendous accent. Uh, mm. Big time listener to yes. Geek Out Loud and well, thank Mark you. Out Loud. Yeah, I forget about um, talking to Today him. I'd like to ask you a question. Okay, ask away. Um, I've heard you talk about giving uh, some uh, television series some time, being patient with them. And I'd like, I'd like you to tell me, explain to me why. Um, I want you to sell me this idea because, you know, I got a job. I got kids, I got mm-hmm, a wife, I got mm-hmm, a house. Mm-hmm. I don't have that much time to watch TV. And Agreed. when I have time for myself, sometimes I just turn on a console. Yeah. But when I decide to watch TV, the first question I ask is, am I going to watch something better than just watching Star Wars again or The Princess Bride? Well, no. And when I do, I have so many choices. Yes. Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. Arrow, mm-hmm. Uh, Walking Dead. Yeah. And then I got the Netflix with all the back catalog. Yes. And I got Ulu and all the DVDs. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many things out there that are good yes. that I can watch at any time. Yep, yep. Uh, when someone tells me, hey, you should watch S.H.I.E.L.D., it gets good yeah. after the first half of the season. Right, right. That's true. I don't see why I would spend that much time on Mm-mm. a show that's not good right I, off the gate. Hey, I completely and, agree with and you. And it's possible to be good from the first episode. Agreed. Just take Rebels. Yes. I mean, that take episode Rebels. was I love the way just you said that. epic. Yes. And same for Gotham. I heard mm. people say, well, it's not very good. You're, yourself, last week, you said... Well, maybe if we get, we're patient with it, it will be a good show. Well, maybe, but I'm I don't have time to be patient with shows, especially That's a show right. about Gotham. Uh, I like comic book, like the re- like the next guy. But you know what? Give me a show about Batman, and I'm yeah. gonna watch it. True. Give me a show about the Avengers, I'm gonna watch it. Sure. But not not a procedural with random Shield agents that I have to watch for half a season before it gets good. Yeah. So. Tell me okay. in your words. All right. With all the good television out there. Yes. With Netflix. Right. With the WWE Network. Yes, the WWE. Why should I spend some time watching a show yes. that is not entertaining mm-hmm. right out of the gate? All right. 
on that note, on thanks that note, a lot. Thank you. I really enjoy your show. I Keep enjoy having you as a listener. And, oh, uh, I will. I hope to see you at Celebration. Uh, Bye. Well, okay. You won't see me. It's it's kind of it is confirmed. By the way, I will not be going to Celebration Anaheim, or as I like to call it, Celebration Seven. So we'll get that out of the way right now. That is not taking place. I haven't really confirmed that on any of the podcasts, but I'm confirming it here. Uh, the other thing is, is Dominic, I completely agree with your point. I completely agree with what you're saying, that you shouldn't have to give it time. I chose to give S.H.I.E.L.D. time because of my Marvel roots, but understand that it was a slow process for me. I watched it on the Ulu, uh, as you said. I'm not making fun of your ex. I am. I really dig your accent. I wish I could talk about it. I love how you said rebels. Um, ugh, rebels. Oh, so smooth and so cool. But anyhow, uh, I did... I did watch that along long, but I watched it very slowly. It was like if I had, if there was nothing else to do, I would watch the most recent episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Then when it hit that halfway point, it did become appointment television for me. So let me, I would encourage you to do this. Um, you know, ask people what episodes are must view. And I can't, and this is how unfamiliar I am with that first season of S.H.I.E.L.D., I can't tell you. As far as Gotham goes, you know, my opinion is my opinion. There are a lot of people who just think Gotham was amazing. And it's turning out to not really be so much just a procedural show. Um, there is an underlying theme that's going forward. And and it looks like there's one particular character who's really, we're getting to see his origin story. So it's, it, it, other than James Gordon I'm talking about. Uh, I think Gotham would be much better served if Bruce Wayne wasn't in it. I've said that before. But as far as why should you take time, I don't know. I can't tell you that. I can't answer that. If you've got some time to spare and you want to give a, give a show a chance, then go for it. But I'm one of these. I, but you and I are on the same page right now. I feel like a show should be knock it out of the ballpark good from the get-go. There are some, and you're right, there are some shows that have done that. Rebellas is one. Also, uh, I would say I was hooked on the new girl. Uh, right out of the gate <laughs> from the first episode I was hooked on New Girl um, what's another show I was hooked on right out of the gate oh I've been watching The Blacklist have you guys seen this show The Blacklist with James Spader oh my lanta what an amazing cool show now I did call one of the big reveals like from the first episode so um, so yeah I did I did do that but the Blacklist is a really cool show. And James Spader's, I'm, I'm sorry, he's one of those actors that, to me, he's always just kind of captured me when he's on screen, especially as he's gotten older, because he has this unique look about him, which is to say that he doesn't have that leading man look, but he has a leading man's delivery of his lines and his character. Uh, I really fell in love with James Spader on... Um, on on Denny Crane on Boston Legal, but I did really like I do really like the Blacklist. I'm watching it back on the Netflix, and um, in in the more, more recent episodes, I believe are on Hulu. So trying to catch up and and you know catch up with everything there. But at the end of the day, watch what you enjoy, and if something doesn't catch your attention, you know what you don't have to watch it, and you shouldn't be shunned for not enjoying something that everyone else seems to enjoy you know there are a lot of times where i don't enjoy what a lot of people do tend to enjoy and a lot of times when i 
don't or I do enjoy that stuff that people don't enjoy and it's really interesting to see people's reaction you know how can you not like that or how can you like that you know and it's like I just do I guess I'm different from everybody that way and that's fun that's fun so I will say this I think Gotham had a stronger opening than Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. it hasn't it still hadn't like captured my imagination yet. For example, I just watched the latest episode of Gotham today and that's aired when Sunday or Monday, you know? Um, and I, and I immediately have watched everything else, you know, I, and, and this is how hooked I am on shield. Now I immediately, you know, it's one of my first things that I want to watch, um, as soon as I can on Hulu because, I look forward to it weekly. They, they've they hit their stride. And I think it's, on one hand, I think it's fair for a show to get better and better, but I do think a show should catch you. Um, I do think a show should catch you from the beginning. For example, tonight, as, as this recording takes place, tonight uh, CW's The Flash aired its premiere episode, its pilot episode, and... Um, I was taken with that first episode and that's not just because I'm doing a show about it. I'm telling you straight up. I was smitten with the flash, uh, because I thought it did everything it needed to do. And it made me, it reminded me of Smallville, but it kicked it up in a notch in the sense that we're really getting a superhero instead of someone stepping, you know, stepping into the role of a superhero, um, which they did with Smallville, and you know I loved Smallville. So I, Flash was, was something that was worth watching me. But to your point, we're on the same page. I completely agree with you. Here's one that's a couple of weeks old. It's from our good friend Daniel in Indy. Uh, he says, do you have any thoughts on Yoda's action in Attack of the Clones warning or impacting his warning to Luke, save them you could, but you would destroy all for which they have fought and suffer, suffered? Uh... I asked him to expound a little bit, and he said Yoda's actions of saving his friends by not relying on the Force but rushing to save them leads to the eventual destruction of the Republic, destroying what they were working for. P.S. Windu is a tool. <laughs> this pot is over. Uh, Star Wars talk here. That's an interesting question. I've never thought of that. I don't know that he destroyed... I'd... Yoda was in a no-win situation. It was a different. It was a different thing at that point because had... What we see in Attack of the Clones is, had Yoda not shown up with the clone army, all those Jedi would have been killed. Um, had Luke not gone to Bespin, um, had Luke not gone to Bespin, you can make the argument that his friends still would have escaped. You know, R2 helped them out. You know, R2 unlocked the door and restored the hyperdrive on the Falcon. So you could make the argument that no, they wouldn't have. But you can make you can still make the argument that um, you can you can make the argument that they did that that Luke didn't need to go. So I don't I don't know that that impacts his warning on him as much as the entirety of the war does. Because I think <clears throat> by the end of things, Yoda realizes, well, I mean, once the whole, once the trap was sprung, the trap was sprung. And it's interesting to talk about when the actual trap was sprung for the Jedi. What was the point of no return for the Jedi? Was it Geonosis or was it before that? 
You know, when did the Jedi really hit that point of no return? And that's an interesting question to ponder. That's that's one that I don't know that I you know I don't know that I even want to tackle that in a Steve Star Wars corner. I'd like to tackle that with some guests and kind of talk some Star Wars and 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 really examine that idea of at what moment was the trap fully sprung? Was it was it in Revenge of the Sith? You know, I feel like that by the time you get to that moment on Geonosis, the web has been so carefully and strongly woven that you can't go back, that that they're now fighting a losing battle. Um, you know, it might have been when Palpatine was elected chancellor there at the tail end of uh, The Phantom Menace, and I don't know. I don't, I don't know that he was completely into that moment at all you know it's interesting it's to me it's a very interesting uh question to tackle but as far as that impacting his warning to luke i don't think it did because they were talking about two different things you know luke had a different mindset he wasn't going for the help of the galaxy understand luke wasn't going after the greater good when he was going after his friends he was just going to save his friends and while that is a noble thing it is not um it is not the noble thing. It is not the greater thing. You know, staying there and finishing his training for the greater good, I think is what Yoda would have said would have been the right choice and the right move. And when Luke comes back, he even tells Yoda, I'm sorry. You know, when 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 they're doing um when they're doing the um oh my Lanta, what am I when when Luke gets there and Yoda's dying and he's having the conversation with him. You know, he says, I'm sorry, you know, but I need to know. And then he gets into, I need to know this. And, and well, he says that before that. He's like, I need to know. He's And Yoda says, your father, he is. And Luke says, why didn't you tell me? He's like, because not ready for the burden, were you? Not ready to face him. And Luke says, I'm sorry. Because he realized in that moment why Yoda hid it from him. He was still concerned about Obi-Wan's reasoning. But he, you know, he was just like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I rushed off to face him. I'm sorry that I left you here, but I'm back now. Don't die. But Yoda's, you know, strong with the force, but not that strong. So I think it's, you know, it's an interesting thing. Speaking of our good friend Daniel Indy, he put this together for us to uh, talk about our newest endeavor in podcasting. You're listening to Rebel. Rebel. Rebel, yeah. Join the rebellion. Show me what you have in your Rebels. That's right. Rebel Yell is a thing over at the Disney Vault Talk feed. Uh, Spark Rebellion will be uh, released actually right after uh, we get through here tonight. I'll be uh, getting the release up. It's it's uploaded and ready to post. So that'll be happening very quickly. So watch your feeds uh, for the first of Disney Vault Talk's Rebel Yell. And uh, if you want to get a taste of that intro, here you go. Disney Vault Talk presents Rebel Yell. Star Wars Rebels discussion and commentary. With your hosts, Teresa Delgado and Steve Lawson, and a few surprises along the way. And now, Disney Vault Talk's Rebel Yell. 
Yeah, so that's the that's the Rebel Yell intro, and uh, we did our first episode with Air Shonavice, uh, a sick Teresa came on, and uh, we had a great time talking Spark of Rebellion. If you've not checked it out yet, uh, you can check it out on the Watch Disney XD app if you have that. It's available to purchase on DVD, maybe Blu-ray. I'm not sure at Walmart, every Walmart's everywhere. I, I don't like using the plural of Walmart because. I know a lot of people who, when they talk about going to Walmart, they say, I've got to go to Walmarts and pick up something. I can't stand that. I can't, pe- I, I do not like people sticking an S where an S doesn't belong. Now, keep your ass out of, <laughs> don't keep your ass off the end of that word is what I'm saying, by the way. That's, that's just my personal preference in life. Don't put your ass where it doesn't belong. So, um, <clears throat> anyhow, uh, so yeah, check out, uh, Rebel Yell over on the Disney Vault Talk feed. We got another email, and it's sticking with the uh, Star Wars theme. It's from Kyle. He says, hey, Steve, it's me, Kyle, again. Just thought I'd check and see what you're geeking out about, Star Wars Episode Seven or anything else. Also, I'd like to make a small request for an episode of Steve's Star Wars, Star Wars Corner about the legendary Jedi Master Qui-Gon Jinn. Thanks again for putting out uh, such a great podcast every week. Well, we're not great. We're mediocre, and we're striving for great. Never forget that. That, uh, that we're striving beyond mediocrity. By the way, speaking of striving beyond mediocrity, those of you who helped at the Patreon uh, webpage, patreon.com slash geekoutloud, uh, those of you who have sponsored the $15 level or more, uh, we have got the design for the first of the exclusive T-shirts that will be coming your way, and uh, that order has been put in. So be ready for that. They look great, or at least the, the image looks great so i'm looking i'm looking forward to getting those to you guys who have supported us at that level um as far as qui-gon jen goes you know it's funny that that anyone would even say hey do this for an episode of steve star wars corner because so rarely do i get a steve star wars corner out um i'm sure we'll talk about qui-gon down the road because to me qui-gon is so imperative in the life of Anakin and him being taken away the way he was, it really makes you wonder if Anakin's fate would have been different had Qui-Gon survived because I think Qui-Gon would have taken a different approach to Anakin's training than any other Jedi would have. Qui-Gon was not married to the dogma of the Jedi. We've talked a little bit about this when we talked about the Jedi on the last time we did a Steve Star Wars Corner. Talked about the idea that the Jedi were so wrapped up in in their dogma, you know, in almost like like a like a church being wrapped up more in the liturgy than the message, you know, how the message is delivered rather than what the message really means. And and the Jedi were more wrapped up in their ways and their custom and their code than they were in the will of the Force. Whereas Qui Gon was all about the will of the living force. And I really think that had Qui-Gon, um, had he lived, then he would have gone ahead and trained Anakin without the approval of the council. And and probably Anakin would have turned out different. There's a good chance Anakin would have turned out different. Matthew Marks chimes in, says, Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for bringing back Bad Impersonations Theater. I am listening to the episode right now, and you haven't even done the bit yet. You just said you were bringing it back. If you recall, I was a big fan of your You Can't Handle the Truth performance and was sad that you were so hard on yourself about it or that the chat was hard. The chat was not hard on me. I was hard on myself about that because it was terrible. He said, that said, I'm going to listen to the bit now and tell you what I think. 
Grover was spot on. Marvin sounded like a cross between Marvin and Kermit. But hey, it's not called Perfect Impersonations Theater. Looking forward to the next one. Thanks you, Matt. Thank you, Matthew Marks. You're, I think you're the only one <clears throat> um, that uh, that digs the bad impersonations theater. But you know what? Sometimes I do things just for an army of one. Um, the question, Steve, how much do we have to give for Daniel to get a gold onesie for the new baby? Just take your gold shirt and make it a diaper. <laughs> So, um, but thanks. And, and Matthew, because of that encouragement, I'll probably do, uh, this, this particular, um, bad impersonations theater, uh, a little bit later on. Matthew Rushing, who had that great review of The Dark Knight Rises. He wrote in last time and we, and we talked a little bit about The Dark Knight Rises and, and he gave us a, uh, gave us a snippet from his review and um, let me let me find the link there again because he actually uh, sent me a link not only to his review for The Dark Knight Rises but also for The Man of Steel. Um, his blog is 42lifeinbetween.wordpress.com That's the numbers 42lifeinbetween.wordpress.com Um you can find the Dark Knight Rises review in the 2012 section from around uh, July of 2012 and um, and read what he has to say uh, there at 42lifeinbetween.wordpress.com. He also has uh, there a review of Man of Steel, and he's got all kinds of other stuff uh, going on uh, there at that particular blog of his. He's got some books, uh, movies, etc. Books, movies, etc. So, um, for example, his Star Wars, Matthew Rushing's Star Wars A New Dawn review. In June of 1991, Heir to the Empire gave Star Wars fans something they'd been craving since 1983. Further adventures in the universe George Lucas created. Timothy Zahn's book kicked kicked off what had became known as or what became known as the expanded universe and for over 20 years thrilled annoyed and satiated the fans desire for more star wars with the sale of lucasfilm to disney and the plans for a new trilogy to take place after the events of the return of the jedi the expanded universe has been reclassified as the legends line bits and pieces of it will influence future projects in the star wars universe but none of what is seen in legends line is considered canon A New Dawn is aptly named as it begins a whole new line of Star Wars tie-in merchandise. From now on, the books, comics, films, and games will all work in concert, creating the whole saga. A New Dawn, and he goes on and um, gives his review of what is really a cool book, A New Dawn. Uh, If you haven't picked it up, if you're a Star Wars fan, it's really good. And, And you know what's interesting now when it comes to these novels and that sort of thing? They are required reading for Star Wars fans. I don't mean to take them too seriously, but in a way they are because now they matter. They actually matter. Uh, and, and, and so I think it's going to be interesting um, to see as, as more and more novels come about. You've got the Tarkin thing coming out. You've got uh, the Luke book coming out. So, um, But anyhow, check out uh, Matthew Rushing's blog at uh, 42... Life in between. 
lifeinbetween.wordpress.com uh, for Matthew's reviews. Now, Matthew chimes in uh, in this particular email. i got to get back down to it. He says, I appreciate your fair talk about DC and Marvel. Shifting gears now from Star Wars to superheroes. That's how we do it here at Geek Out Loud. It's nice that you always preface things uh, with you are speaking from your own opinion. Makes me, as a huge DC guy... Have I read this already? I did. This is his... Never mind. Sorry, Matthew. Read that already. I still had it starred as though I've not read it yet. We read that last week. I will shut up now. Steve... Greetings from a long-time listener of sorts. The Skynex Pod... Oh, this is from Keith Walters. The Skynex Podcast was the first podcast I ever listened to consistently. Still disappointed to not know how Season 3 of of Sarah Connor Chronicles would have gone. It was only recently, however, I started listening to Geek Out Loud and the other shows in the Goliverse. I have a a three-and-a-half-hour car ride to see my kids every other Saturday, and so your your shows help pass the time. I had the show on, the one with Andy, playing while driving my son to his football game, which led to some interesting conversation. His immediate reaction to the who would win in a fight between Yoda and Vader question was Yoda. But then I convinced him that at the least it might depend on when the fight would take place. Both he and my daughter were also very amused when I told them the story of freaking Pegasus, since I had previously told them about the Pegasus unicorn kitten. Google it sometimes. Or sometime. Well, I tell you what, Keith, uh, as a... This is a great time to, to introduce the uh, the segment. Let me Google that for you. Let me Google that for you. Pegasus Unicorn Kitten. Um, I'm just going to go to images. Oh, my. Clash of Geeks. Is that what I'm seeing here? The Crafty Cattery. A couple of months ago, I wrote a 2,000-word short story for a contest. The object was described what was happening in the fan art showing this. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a Pegasus unicorn kitten coming down upon some type of orc or troll with a man opponent's back in a clown t-shirt wielding a spear. Crazy, man. Crazy. I've always been... Keith goes on. I've always been more of a Star Trek guy. I've seen the six Star Wars movies and I enjoyed them all. I've never watched the Clone Wars and have read maybe one or two EU novels, but in high school and college... Star Trek novels accounted for a large part of my reading time. My son, however, was introduced to Star Wars at Episode 1, but has now seen all of the movies and all seasons of The Clone Wars. Anyway, I was wondering if you had heard of the Star Trek Ax- Axenar project. It's a Kickstarter project for a fan movie based on the character of Garth of Izar, who first appeared in the original show, Whom Gods Destroy and is a hero of Kirk's whose tactics at the Battle of Axanar were required reading at the Academy. The project started with a Kickstarter drive for a short 20-minute video titled Prelude to Axanar, which is made to look something like you'd see on the History Channel in the future, describing the lead-up in the Four Years' War with the Klingon to the Battle of Axanar. They have some big-name actors from Battlestar Galactica and the guy who played the Klingon ambassador in Enterprise reprising his role. The Prelude to Axanar video has some awesome graphics and high production value, and I'm anxiously awaiting the full-length movie. That's Keith from Pittsburgh. Not heard anything about it. I don't seek out a lot of Star Trek stuff. I, you know, the joke's done, of course, but um, it's a <laughs> Daniel and Indy says it's a Kickstarter project to make Trek look good. By the way, UnicornPegasusKitten.com. Is that Will Wheaton that's on the back of the, uh, the, uh, the Pegasus? 
Will Wheaton, John Scalzi, and Subterranean Press are proud to announce the publication of Clash of the Geeks, a special and fantastical electronic chat book featuring stories by Will Wheaton, uh, John Scalzi, New York Times bestseller. Okay. Oh, it's a book. Clash of Geeks. Hmm. Well, there you go. That, that, that is, I don't seek out a lot of Star Trek stuff. I just don't. It's not... It's not in my wheelhouse. It's not something that I that I enjoy enough to really go after. Um, I'm excited that there's something that Star Trek fans can be excited about. I'm excited about, um, you know, I'm excited about the fact that there's some there is something that that that, that people get pumped about, and you know, I also think you got to be careful because sometimes with fan made films like that, you might get the kind. I don't know how Paramount is with Star Wars with Star Trek fans. Lucasfilm has turned out to be very good with Star Wars fans when it comes to making fan films and that sort of thing. So, um, more power to them. I, I just don't have a lot to say, but there were a lot of words in there that I didn't know what they were, you know, um, because I'm not a Star Trek guy. I just I'm not. I've, I, I can talk about the Star Trek movies better than I can talk about the shows. So, uh, if you want to talk about saving some whales, I'm your man. Andy Linderman chimes in. Steve, Steve. You're hitting on a bunch of my favorite topics and I had to pause the podcast and write. Peter Capaldi, the 12th Doctor. I'm really, really digging the new guy. I'm one of those guys that watched the 4th Doctor as a kid on PBS on Sundays too. That first episode when Matt Smith showed up made me have man tears. And I wasn't even a huge Matt Smith fan. I think Capaldi is going to be a great Doctor, but I haven't liked the writing of the first few episodes. When the episode was over, I was like, eh, Capaldi was cool, but that episode didn't do anything for me. Until the episode called Time Heist. It was amazing. Loved every minute of it. I hope this is the course for future episodes. I won't spoil it since you said you were a bit behind. I'm still a bit behind with that. Hey, pause for a moment for Steve's. Gazuntite. That was... You didn't hear the sneeze because I turned the mic down. I'm a, I'm a professional that way. See, as we strive to leave mediocrity to get good... Things like that will happen. If I feel a sneeze coming on, just turn down the volume. Sneeze away. Don't do it in the mic. In the old days, I would have sneezed. I'm just kidding. What if I did? What if all of a sudden I was talking to you? Sneezes are weird. Can we talk sneezes for a minute? And the way people sneeze is weird. Because there are some people who just feel like that their sneeze has to be accompanied with like a loud battle cry. And then there are people who like this this huge build-up, and they just end with, really? The battle cry, people, it comes out of nowhere and will scare the beforeness out of you every time. But the people, it's like this huge, huge build-up. And then there are people who go, they put that little noise into it. I'm very much a try to stifle the sneeze kind of sneezer. You know, I'll kind of do, you know, that you'll hear me do, and it'll be the sneeze. One time I was sitting in church, and, you know, you don't want to be the guy who just sneezes in church, right? And and so I kind of, you know, I did the thing where I stifled the sneeze, and, and every vertebrae in my back just popped. Like, I just stretched, apparently, everything in me when I did that because of the force. Because apparently it's hurricane force winds coming out of you, if you sneeze right. You people who do the... That's not a sneeze. That's you just wanting attention. Straight up, serious business. I'm just being honest with you. You know? You people who do the battle cry sneeze, that too is just wanting attention. You don't have you don't have to make the loud noise when you sneeze. I don't know who taught you to do that. You don't have to do that. 
Anyhow. I'm not caught up on Doctor Who. I got to get caught up on Doctor Who. The Doctor's popularity, he says, I think you were spot on about the Doctor not really hitting mainstream until four or five years ago. I teach eighth graders, and my computer screen is often displayed on the projector screen in the room. I change the background on my computer often, like every few weeks often. Anyway, the Doctor always ends up there in some form several times a year. Over the years, there might be one or two students out of 140 or 50 that knew who knew of Doctor Who. This year, it's at least one-third of my students. For Arkansas, which is about five years behind the rest of the universe, that's saying something. This is That's Andy's words, not mine. Number three, he says, The Atom. As I mentioned somewhere before, my first comics were Justice League, and The Atom was a part of the league at that time. So I was excited that Brandon Routh was joining the Arrow Club, but I don't know what it is, what it was you said exactly, but when you brought it up, I thought, The Atom, Green Arrow, The Flash, Identity Crisis. Do you think that could be a possibility? Also, I thought it would have to involve someone else besides Sue Dibney, but not following the comics isn't a new thing. I don't know. You never know if you might get Elastic Man and Sue Dibney in this. I don't think. I think we're going to see more of an more of a crisis on multiple Earths before we see before we see an identity crisis type thing. Uh, I just, I think Identity Crisis is a little darker than, you know, if it weren't, if the green, I mean, the Flash doesn't look like it's going to be this dark show. Uh, The Green Arrow has kind of come out of that. I haven't seen tonight's premiere. You know, the Green Arrow is sufficiently dark. Um, Identity Crisis was this really dark turn in DC Comics that, um, you know, for for as great or not great, depending on how you think of the story was, the the results were this just darkening of that whole universe that I don't think was appropriate for DC. I feel like, you know, and, and that's the thing, is is it's okay to have compelling stories with characters that aren't can you know, that aren't marvelized. And this is where I'm gonna get in a lot of trouble with with fans of the DC universe. Um, because I was thinking about this and I and I continue to think about this whole thing with these DC movies and the Marvel movies and stuff. What's interesting to me is what when people talk, talk about, and we did get an email, and it, I think it was Matthew Rushing who talked about the, the, uh, the, the way that the, the DC movies made you think, you know, and I'm like, well, and, and in my opinion, no, they really don't, because to me, they're just, they really tried to marvelize these characters, especially with Superman. With Batman, they tried to put these deep themes where they put them right up in your face. How many times was the word fear mentioned in Batman Begins, for, for, for instance, per instance, if you will? Anyhow, I don't want to digress down that way. I'm looking forward to that and being on on Arrow, but I don't know that we're going to end up with a identity crisis. I think it's going to be more of a cosmic crisis type thing. Anyway, great show. Enjoy hearing your opinions on stuff and realizing how much we're like. But I confess, on October 18th, I will not be allowed to like you for a few hours while your Bulldogs battle my Razorbacks. But once the game is over, whatever the outcome, I eagerly await more Steve Lawson. And thank goodness Texas isn't on the Razorback schedule this year. Don't get me started on those Longhorns. Boomer Sooner, I apologize for nothing except maybe the abuse of the comma. May the force be with you always. And that's Adam Lindemann. I'll have more to say about Doctor Who as I get caught up on Doctor Who. Uh, KP, our boy Karan, checks in. He says, hey, Steve. So Zack Snyder finally unveiled the Batmobile. Can we just talk about this beast? It looks like the Tumblr... And the Arkhamverse went and had a baby. And it's black. That was my biggest concern when I saw those set photos. Speaking of the Arkhamverse, have you seen the Assault on Arkham yet? It's a movie based on the Suicide Squad, and it's so good. I was laughing so hard when the Joker says, I'm here, 
whatever, just because the Joker never says this particular word. Uh, no, I don't. I don't know what a assault on Arkham is. Can anyone in the chat help me out? What is assault on Arkham? Is that a video game, or was there a movie released, a, a directed DVD movie released uh, called Assault on Arkham, or was this a fan made thing? I don't know. Maybe the chat will help me out momentarily. Now to some serious business. I just watched Gotham. I wasn't exactly disappointed by it because I wasn't expecting much. But here it is, DC's first failed TV venture. I don't want to prejudge the show before it's even had a chance to take off. But really, I'd seen the trailers and I was hoping they'd keep the cheesy lines to a minimum. Minimum, They did it. Right from the there will be light and you have a little danger in your eye to fear doesn't need conquering. The show's full of freaking metaphors. And subtlety, no such thing. I felt the dialogues were too forced and were trying to explain the situation too much. Like the whole Jim's the most honest guy I've ever met. All right, Barbara, we get it. He's freaking angel. We already know that. Now move on. I really hope this show doesn't become another shield uh, or else I'll be thoroughly disappointed. Also, was that comedian supposed to be the Joker before he took the red hood and fell in the vat of chemicals? I don't think so. I think the comedian that we see at the end of that pilot episode is just a comedian. From what I understand, from what I've been told, is they're just going to kind of drop hints here and there uh, to to the Joker. Um, <clears throat> Assault on Arkham is a direct-to-video animated superhero film. Haven't seen it. Have not seen Didn't know it existed. Didn't know it existed. Uh, you know, I'm not going to... I'll be honest with you. I don't think the Gotham pilot and the subsequent episodes have been as boring as what the the first half of the season of the first season of shield was honestly um but i do think that uh they've got some work to do and i think a lot of their work could be done by taking bruce wayne out of the equation i really do i think that you focus in on jim gordon and 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 you know they're kind of doing a spoiler i don't know is this spoiler it looks like this season's kind of the penguins origins you know continue down that path and and give us you know make your focus on making your key characters engaging you know and and i think that that's where you'll end up with a good show don't worry so much about the bruce wayne stuff it's it's too heavy he's too young for it to be as heavy-handed as it is at this point so um the admiral chimes in about the gotham pilot Says, I like it, but I doubt I'll be watching the series. I'm not a big fan of dark and gritty. The world is already dark and gritty, so I usually watch funnier popcorn movies and TV shows to get away from it. <coughs> Excuse me. That said, I do have some comments and questions about the show. One, was that Gordon's first day on the Gotham Police Force? Because if it was, it was the worst first day ever. I think we're led to believe that it's if it's not his first day, it's early on with him as a detective. Like, it's his first day out of uniform and into, you know, with the detective badge. In the comics, was it ever stated who killed Bruce's parents? I don't remember Bruce's parents. I don't remember anything in the movies or cartoon shows. I mean, you saw what happened, but I don't remember any scene about Batman or the police finding the guy. Did they go into it in the comics? Or is it the one mystery that Batman never solves? It depends on what era of comics. For the longest time, it was the one mystery that Batman never solved, was the killer of his parents. In some versions of Batman... Uh, he, he finds the killer and it's just some thug that happened to kill his parents. It wasn't a big, you know, it, it, it changed his life. It altered his life drastically, but it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't some great superhero. In the 1989 Tim Burton Batman, 
Uh, it's Jack Napier who would become the Joker who killed Bruce's parents. In Batman Begins, that universe, it was Joe Chill who killed his parents. So, you know, it's it just depends on the universe and, and what they're trying to drive at with the story. I imagine in this particular show, they'll find who the killer is. And it may be this cool reveal about, oh, my Lanta, it's, you know, Ra's al Ghul did it or some such. So you never know. Um, number three, can I go ahead and call it the fiance was either in the mob or her parents are in the mob because you don't get a heads up from major crimes and have designers close apartments by owning uh, an art gallery. Well, she does. Uh, she was a former partner of the uh, the lady from major crimes. They were lovers. Number four, two high points to show for me were the bit where Gordon and Harvey are hanging out in the meat locker. Indeed, agreed. And when Alfred comes to the crime scene to get Bruce, and as they walk away, Alfred telling him, head up. I don't know why, but I just like that. Alfred is a mixed bag for a lot of people. Some people say he's coming off as kind of a jerk in this show. Other people are, are digging him. I like the fact that he's concerned about Bruce, but you know he's being thrown in a situation now to raise this, this preteen into a teenager who's not only dealing with the loss of his parents, who watched his parents be gunned down. He's he's dealing with him not only as uh, a ward, but he wants to take care of him as someone he deeply loves. And Alfred's a pretty hard dude. So uh, it, he's an interesting character for me. Uh, when, is Gotham, when is Gotham going to do a PSA about walking down dark alleys? I don't know. They should have a long time ago in, in Gotham. It should have been, never go walking down dark alleys. Safety on the streets of Gotham. Never walk with a family. <laughs> Never walk by yourself. Never walk with rich people. Never walk down dark alleys. That's how you stay safe in the city of Gotham. Actually, just stay indoors. Lock your doors and never go out. That's the best way to do things. God, you could I would be caught dead on those streets. I would be caught dead because if you walk out on the streets of Gotham, you end up dead. What? We're still recording. Oh, safety in Gotham. Toby Hooper chimes in. Hey, Steve, quick Star Wars question for you. Shifting gears back into Star Wars. I don't know if you've ever touched on this before, but I was wondering what you consider to be the definitive versions of the original Star Wars films. Oh, here we go. Do you typically, do you typically prefer to watch the Blu-rays, the DVD special editions, or theatrical cuts? Personally, I was raised on the 97 versions, but the ones I usually watch now are the 2004 edition. I know the Blu-rays are way better quality, and I do own them, but there's a few changes Lucas made that I just can't get behind. The theatrical versions are cool, but I do miss some of the updated effects as well as Ian McDermott's Emperor in Empire Strikes Back and the victory celebration instead of Yub-Nub at the end of Return of the Jedi. Now, wait a minute. The theatrical versions are cool, but I do miss some of the updated effects, okay? As well as... I miss, I'm, I'm inserting the words I miss here because it's almost a no sentence. I miss Ian McDermott's Emperor in Empire Strikes Back. And I miss the Victory Celebration. Instead, I can't decide if you like Victory Celebration over Yub Nub. And it's fine. Whichever one you like is fine. It doesn't matter. I've just, I don't understand the sentence. Are there any changes that you're unhappy with or do you get behind them all and settle for the Blu-rays? Down the line when the movies get released again, hopefully in 4K, that's that ultra high d i guess which versions do you think disney and fox will go with the theatricals new special editions or both thanks and keep the great podcasting here's the thing and and this is you know this is one of those things that this is controversial 
and Star Wars fandom. There is one change that George Lucas made that I'm not just over the moon about, that I don't really care for, and that's Han not shooting first in the cantina scene. I, I really feel like Greedo shouldn't have got a shot off at all. It make, To me, for, for several reasons, it makes no sense to me that Greedo's sitting across the table from him and can't hit him. And it make it's just it, the reasoning to me makes no sense that that Lucas gave, and basically the reason was he didn't want Han Solo to be seen to be a cold blooded killer. Well, the truth of the matter is that was Han's only way out, and you know it's it, it, it's a moment that just just skyrockets Han into bad airy of that's b a r e of uh, <laughs> of immense proportions. And and that's the only change that I don't I I don't dig the in the Blu-rays the Darth Vader no at the end of Return of Jedi I could take or leave like it's not it doesn't ruin it for me but it's also it's like I don't uh, you know yeah whatever it's there you know that's that's kind of my thing with that uh, they tinkered with these movies all over the place you know for a while there was Luke when he was falling down the shaft you go back and watch some of the the, the VHS releases and I, I forget which VHS release it's on. Or maybe it was a special edition where he's yelling as he falls down the shaft of Bespin. Um, and then they cut that out uh, for later releases. Um, d- adding the Emperor is great. Adding Ian McDermott, I'm sorry, as the Emperor is, is a great change that they made. Um, uh, in Return of the Jedi, the, the Ewoks blinking is a little much, you know? It's just like, uh, it, 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 it makes things a little bit creepy. Because it's something I never missed. I never looked at that and thought, oh my gosh, they look fake because they don't blink. They just don't blink. I, I just never thought about it. Because you don't see you don't see people blinking necessarily on on the screen. You know? It's not something that, that happens. So it's just you know, there there are little things here and there that I felt like they went a little overboard with some of the changes, but nothing else like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. This is terrible. I can't believe that they ruined the movie this way. <clears throat> a lot of people have a problem with Hayden Christensen being put in as Anakin at the end of Return of the Jedi. I see both sides of that argument, and I think they're both valid. But at the end of the day, I didn't make that painting. You know, I'm I'm not the one who painted it. So I'm, you know, it's it's if I can have an opinion about it, sure. Just like when I look at a painting, I can have an opinion about it. But my opinion doesn't change what the artist wanted to do. And it has no bearing on what the artist wanted to do. And if that's what George Lucas, the creator, wanted, that's what he wanted. I think that Disney and Fox will go with uh, some version of the special editions if they ever, when we ever get another release, whether it's digital or, or whatever the case may be. And the reason being is because uh, I think it'd be too much money to go back and restore uh, the footage from the, the original cuts and everything what people call the original cuts i mean there were changes left and right to these things every time there was a release in a theater there was a change here or there and i and i think it's important to remember that these are this is what george lucas george this were star wars was you know to all of us fans george lucas's big opus you know his magnum opus but to george lucas it was i want to tell these stories and so we're going to push the i want to see this and they just pushed the medium. They they pushed the medium further, and there was technology developed just so that Star Wars could get made. Um, I, I think that J.J. Abrams. This is a whole different conversation, but I think in some ways J.J. Abrams has taken a step back 
into a pointless kind of era where he's not filming on you know filming these filming the new episode seven filming it digitally i think that's a mistake on his part because i think that um there are going to be you're going to see in this movie even though it's being shot on film you're going to see more digital effects than you see in the phantom menace digital digital effect work and some stuff you don't even notice different things being painted out painted in that sort of thing is a part of movies today just plain and simple it's what it is and the transfer of film unless he just wants to do things old school and take six months to work on six frames of film where they're layering things optically so we see the little box around the ships flying through space that sort of thing um it, it is it is just a it's a thing where it's like you're you're trying too hard to go back to the old way when really what people are concerned about is not the way these movies were shot but the stories these movies tell and quite frankly i have a i have a strong suspicion that the people who were not happy with the prequel trilogy will not be happy with the sequel trilogy so batten down the hatches for that ladies and gentlemen but as it comes to what i prefer i throw in the blu-rays every time now because they look beautiful Oh, it looks amazing on Blu-ray. Mona chimes in and says, Howdy, Steve. I just got turned on to your podcast from the Revenge of the Sith commentary you did with the Blantons. Ah, the kids over at the Star Wars Report. And I've become a huge lover of the Goliverse and all the shows in it. Now, I know you're a big Star Wars fan. I hope you could shed some light on something that never really made sense to me. Why is it Luke and Leia were given to Owen Beru and Bell Organ instead of being raised by Obi-Wan and Yoda directly? Think about it. Jedi were taken at a very young age, learning the ways of the Force for those 19 years or so. They'd be fully prepared to take on Sidious and Vader when the time was right. Leia could have gone with Yoda and trained being masked on masked by Dagobah while Luke was learning from Obi-Wan either on Tatooine or some other planet away from the Empire. That way they could have gotten their full potential and had a greater knowledge of the Force and would have been able to rebuild the Jedi Order down the line. I'm curious what you think. Am I on to something here or is there something I'm missing? By the way, are you and the Blantons ever going to do some commentaries for the original trilogy and maybe even the holiday special down the line? Well, uh, there is there is plans for the uh, for the original trilogy. We'll be doing the original Star Wars here pretty soon this month, I believe. Uh, waiting to hear back from Riley Blanton on that. They've got Skule and, and stuff. Um, so toward the end of the month, though, I think we're going to try to uh, sync up and do some uh, Star Wars A New Hope commentary to answer that question. Um, here's the thing about why Luke went to Owen and Beru and Leia went to Bell and his wife, um, whose name escapes me right now. Um, it, it really comes down to this. The old ways hadn't worked. The old ways were dead and gone at the end of Revenge of the Sith. You know, now it became a thing of what's best to protect these children, how best to protect these children. And I really think Yoda was tuned into the Force enough to know that we're not going to take these kids and raise them. We don't have the means or the resources. Yoda was going to hide out in a swamp that is no place to raise a baby, even even when you've got the Force. It's just not the place to do it. Obi-Wan wasn't going to take this kid and raise it, but he stayed and watched after him watched him grow made sure he was safe wow i've got a hiccup all of a sudden that was weird made sure that that he stayed safe and that sort of thing and it's just interesting it you know that that, that i think the idea is 
that the old ways of taking these kids as infants and and training them um look you saw what happened that ultimately fell apart obi-wan and 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 yoda both had things they had to go learn you know they both had to go commune with qui-gon and learn how to uh lose them you know retain their identity after death they had to they had a lot they had to learn and figure out and they knew that it was a waiting game until the time was right so that when they did finally make their move you know and when when luke was ready and he made his move uh even then they had the wrong idea it was go kill vader and the emperor and luke was like no i'm gonna go turn my father back to the good side and it was something they still couldn't quite comprehend that you know this is this was the right path for luke that anakin still was the chosen one and just because he became darth vader did not mean he was not the chosen one and i think that's very important to to keep in mind there and so i don't yeah i don't i don't think that and i also don't think that the rebuilding the jedi order was their focus either see when when you've got evil in charge trying to reestablish the status quo that that got blown apart i don't think that's the way to go i think i think you start thinking we got to do we got to we got to be uh we got to be better we got to be better than um than we were and somehow fix that now, my good friend Super Clerk, Jason Spencer, has chimed in. Which, by the way, I, it's, I'm long past due uh, an appearance on Flicks to talk some Star Wars. He says, a massive issue I had with the prequels is they looked like cartoons due to the massive amount of CGI used. I want the actors to walk on a set they can physically touch. On actual stormtroopers on the screen, Lucas went too far in terms on relying on tech to paint his picture. I go back and say to you, sir, I don't know. You watch those things on Blu-ray and everything blends so stinking well. Um, it, it is, it is a, to me, it's, it is a beautiful, those, those movies, when you get the high definition quality of those things, to me, they're just amazing. Those battle droids look like they're real. They're right there. Even the clone troopers do. And, um, and yeah, there's some shots. There's some scenes that are chock full of nothing but digital imagery and that sort of thing. But, they also used a lot of miniatures, used a lot of models, used a lot of used a lot of things to to duplicate the environments that they had to be in, um, and and more than just about any other movie, even Revenge of the Sith. So, you know, I I just take you to the shot from Captain America: The Winter Soldier of those three helicarriers going down, all CG. Anyhow. Kevin Hall chimes in. He says, uh, hey, Steve, don't remember what times they were on, but here, here are some favorite cartoons from the 60s and 70s that were not mentioned. Marvel superheroes. This is the semi-animated cartoon, semi-animated cartoons of Captain America. I, I know what I just did. I, I responded to Spencer's, uh, Jason Spencer's comment, Super Clerk, in the chat and, and gave no option for rebuttal when really it's a discussion to be had uh when you when you get into stuff like that but you know i gotta move on with the show i still love super clerk still love dan i just gotta move on guys i gotta move on with the show we've we've shifted gears now back to saturday morning cartoons so there you go swarm 87 is a cgi keeps me working well there you go Anyhow, Marvel superheroes. This is the semi-animated, semi-animated cartoons of Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, the Hulk, and Submariner. 
Josie and the Pussycats, H.R. Puffin Stuff, the Batman cartoon from the late 70s that introduced the silly character Batmite. Had Batmite not already been introduced in the comics at that point? Or was he just strictly for, from that cartoon? I thought Batmite was in the comics. I thought he was from the fifth dimension along with like Mixtius Pidlick. Could someone Google that for me? Could someone, could someone, <laughs> let me Google that for you. Let's go, let me wiki that for you. Wikipedia.org. Batmite. Batmite. Uh, he's a fictional character appearing in stories published by DC Comics. He made his first appearance in Detective Comics number 267 in May of 1959. A story titled Batman Meets Batmite. There you go. Anyhow. I just, I, I, that was rude of me, Kevin. I interrupted your email to correct a small little thing. Uh, the Batman cartoon from the late 70s that introduced Kevin to the silly character Batmite. The Tarzan cartoon from the same period. The Fantastic Four from the 60s. That's it for now. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Kevin, for chiming in. Uh, the Fantastic Four cartoon from the 60s. That w wasn't the one with Herbie instead of the Human Torch, was it? I think that was later on. I think that was more of a 70s cartoon. I think the Fantastic Four from the 60s was done a lot in the vein of those Marvel superheroes. That and he, The reason he says they were semi-animated is because they really were. They were almost like what motion comics are today. You know, the mouths were moving, but everything else was kind of still. And they may move a character. It almost looked like you were playing with paper dolls on a camera. So, uh, thanks, Kevin, for chiming in. Those were some that didn't get mentioned. And I don't have a lot of memories about a lot of those because they are a little bit before my time as a cartoon viewer. Uh, we've got a few more here, but we've been going for over an hour now. Um, let's see if we've got any... Um, we've talked enough Star Wars. Let's see. This comes from Dewey the Mailman. He says, Steve, Steve, I'm coming to you again because you seem to be the only podcaster who does not dump on new ideas. I listen to a lot of the podcasts while I walk all day. He's a mailman, guys. And there seems to be a theme out there with negativity. For example, uh, he's listening. He mentions a podcast he's listening to about the Superman v, or Batman v Superman movie. And although I hear they love the Man of Steel movie and are looking forward to this, I hear things they don't like uh, the idea that Wonder Woman could be a love interest for Batman. Now, I'm not saying it should be in this movie, but they said that in any format, those two should not be together. And then I hear that in the New 52 stuff that Superman and her are ill-fated because of Lois. Now, why does it have to be that way? Just because it was done before means that it will always be that way? That seems bad because where would there be any original thought or story come from? Why are Lois and Superman always meant to be? Is there something wrong with a new take on them? New story by chance? Well, I guess the question is, is then why have Lois at all? If she's not Superman's... See, when you... The, the thing about it is, is there are some things that are just kind of stamped in the legend of these characters. And one of those things is Lois and Superman. And one of the things that New 52 has done well is not give you that right off the bat. You know, it's not, it's not put that relationship there immediately. And how long has it been going now? Two or three years? 
I think you can go many years before those two, you know, finally do get together. But I think the idea is that, yeah, this is one of those things that's stamped in their legend. That's like saying, uh, yeah, but because, and again, if that's not the case, if that's not where they're headed, what good is Lois to the story? She's a great character, all right? She's she's a great character, great foil for Clark and all this other stuff. So, well, that seems really, that was a really shallow statement. Get your hands off the home keys, guys. I'm working my thought process out here. All right? The idea is the legacy of it. Uh, when they talk about Batman and Wonder Woman not working together, Batman and Wonder Woman had a fling uh, in the 90s, and it did not work out. You know, it wasn't like they didn't have a falling out because of it. Um, I don't have a problem with Batman and Wonder Woman. I don't have a problem with Superman and Wonder Woman being together right now. You know, um, I, you know, if, if, if someone from DC came out and said Superman and Lois will never be a thing, then I would be bothered by that as a Superman fan. Because I do think that I, there are just some things you expect. You know, Darth Vader is always Luke's dad, and Lois and Superman always end up together. It's just, it's, it's just who those, that is fate, you know. Um, but what the New 52 has allowed is for us to take a journey to get to that point, and that's good. That's a good thing. Um, if it wasn't for a change, Superman would not be able to fly. He wouldn't be leaving anywhere. I just don't get that everything has to be the same all the time. I agree with your point there, but again, uh, what if Superman were suddenly not able to fly? What if they said, okay, strong, and he's got X-ray and heat vision, and we'll give him invulnerability, no flight. You know, what if they went to a Smallville version of Superman? No flights, no tights. You know? Uh, and he went back to leaping everywhere. See, by your argument, you're saying that him leaping everywhere would be bad. But by your argument, what if we take away his ability to fly? You know, why does he have to be able to fly? Hmm. Also, I heard a Star Wars podcast, and it was kind of the same negative attitude. All I heard is what they don't want to happen in Episode 7 and, I, and how they hope there's no mention of Jar Jar Binks. I liked him. He may not have been my favorite, but I liked him. It's like I heard you say before, the Star Wars that I grew up with didn't grow up with me. No, I just said that I grew up with Star Wars and Star Wars didn't grow up with me. That's my thing. The prequels were great. Why? Because it's Star Wars. That's what he says. I just, get the, I just don't get why people feel they have to be so negative on stuff they haven't seen yet. It reminds me of your rant that was justified about the what if it was good dopey guy. Man, all these other podcasters need to listen to your show. And I don't think they need to listen. Listen, there's there's room out there for everyone's opinion. The The question is, how much energy are you going to put into negativity? And I think that's the key. You know, I, I think that the idea is, is, is how much, how much energy do you want to put in negativity? Even, you know, I'm not trying to call Dewey the mailman out on the show, but even into this email, you know, he says, anyway, just had to rant myself about these guys. Maybe I'll listen to old goal show and get my positive back, my, back in my step. Thanks again. That's from Dewey. But, you know, even, even at this point, why, you know, where's the energy in just being upset with these guys? There's a lot of people who I disagree with when it comes to this kind of stuff. And because this kind of stuff, the geeky stuff isn't vital, you know, it's fun, it's great, and, and I guess it is important, but it's not vital. I just won't listen to them because it doesn't do me any good to get worked up you know, about someone's opinion differing from mine. My problem comes when people tell me that my opinion has to be their opinion. You know, I can tell you what I don't want to see happen in Episode 7. And that's, you know, that's not me being negative about it. It's just I really kind of don't want to see... Um, 
you know, a bunch of a, a Sith army. You know, I don't want to see a lot of the stuff that people think would be super cool. I don't want to see, you know. Some of the stuff I've heard that, that could be rumory or spoilery, I don't know. There's some stuff I've heard, I'm like, I don't know that I dig that. I'm going to have to be sold on that idea. But the idea is that I have an opinion about it. And I have an opinion about it because I've grown up with it. Uh, same thing with superheroes and stuff. Of course I have an opinion about them. But my opinion doesn't make it fact. You know, my opinion is not fact and right. And so, if, like I said, if DC came out and said, yeah, in this continuity, Superman and, uh, and Lois Lane are never going to be together, I'd have a problem with it, but I wouldn't lose sleep over it. I think it was a bad move, but I wouldn't lose sleep over it. And I think that the idea of saying, you know, the, you know that we all know that there's a fate that these two... It's like saying, you know, let's go back and redo Shakespeare and Romeo and Juliet don't fall in love. And that whole play takes on a whole different thing. You know, this is one of those pillars of the character uh, of Superman. So, anyhow, that's all I'm saying. Oh, this is a good idea. Like Robin Hood ends up with Maid Marian. Exactly. You know, that's the stuff of legend. Um, Daniel Lindy says, Why well, wouldn't Wonder Woman be a love interest? Batman's parents are dead, not him. <laughs> Indeed. <clears throat> Indeed. Um... Dewey goes on with another email. He says, This will be short for once. Do you think the success of the Marvel movies... <clears throat> is that the heroes don't have a secret identity. The movies don't need to waste time showing their secret identity lives with how they interact with people who don't really know who they are. We don't get the angst of, I have to keep it separate like Peter Parker does. Do you think it, uh, in a two to two and a half movie that we need to see them in the non-hero disguise, see them in their non-hero disguise? Thanks again, sincerely do the man. Why do you hate Man of Steel? Just kidding. Um... I think I think it goes a lot deeper with that than the Marvel movies and just the, the lack of a secret identity. Um, it's not the focus. I mean, these guys do. You know, Steve Rogers in the Marvel Cinematic Universe doesn't have a secret identity. Tony Stark let everybody know he's Iron Man. Um, everyone knows Bruce Banner's the Hulk. Yeah, no one really has a secret identity in the Marvel. <laughs> you know, now that you... Now, come to think of it, yeah, that might be one of the keys to success. I'm just trying to think in the Marvel Universe proper, in the comic books, does anyone have a secret identity? Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man does, uh, Spider-Man does now, but I don't, yeah, it just kind of became this thing of not really a big deal, huh? I, I'm going to have to think about that. But I don't think that is, I don't think that is, a big key to it. I think that that it's a different take on on superheroes and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, but I, I don't I don't know that that's the main key to success. Uh, finally, will music Mr. Smith, who I really do think is the Fresh Prince in disguise. Will Smith says, "I'm listening to episode 105. Hearing you and Chad talk about movie rentals reminded me where my family went to rent movies." Before Blockbuster, I grew up in Madison, Georgia. Shout out to Madison, Georgia. And we would rent movies from the 76 truck stop. They had everything. We even rented uh, an NES and Super Mario Brothers for a weekend, and it was awesome. I don't think my brother or I slept at all that weekend. Anyway, I'm loving the podcast, so please keep making them, and I'll keep listening. That comes from Will Smith. 
the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Now, this is a story all about how my life got turned upside down. So I'd like to take a moment, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. Uh, Daredevil doesn't have a secret identity in the comics anymore, I don't think. People are starting to give some stuff. Um, Deadpool, I don't know if his, I don't know. I don't know enough about that character to know if he's got a secret identity. Uh, I don't know the X-Men have secret identities. Um, Spider-Man is the one that keeps having people die. That's true. All right. Um, hmm. Well, why don't we do this? Let's, let's see if we can find a cool piece of music, um, to do this to. I don't know. What's some, I need a, I need something macabre. What's a macabre movie? theme score what's something macabre I, I just like saying the word macabre isn't that how you say it m-a-c-a-b-r-e and that pronounced macabre i used to say macabre macabre uh, this is this is poor planning on my part so i apologize uh for my pee poor planning if you will i'm going to scroll down here through my musical selections and try to pick a, a more macabre pizza. <laughs> How do you pronounce it? Is it macabre? Is it just macabre? Macabre. Corn on macabre. Got some corn on macabre. I can't wait till Christmas, guys, so we can start playing Christmas music, by the way. Can we just get right to it and just play Christmas music? Can we just start doing that? Would that be okay with everyone? A lot of people have these problems. You can't play Christmas music before. Why would you play Christmas music before... Thanksgiving, that's stupid. It's not even Halloween yet. Because I like Christmas music, maybe? Maybe that's why I would play it? You ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about maybe that's why some people like to play things? It's because it, it's Christmas music, and they like Christmas music, you know? Maybe. You ever thought about that? I have. So I just said it. Still scrolling down, just looking for some, some macabre-type music. Uh, the Halloween song from the Garfield special. I don't need anything super scary. Just macabre. 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 Is the Garfield... Ha is the Garfield... Is the Garfield Halloween special the one where they, they they talk about rumbling, where he's got the uh, the the bad guy cats, and they're almost like Heathcliff's gang shows up, and they're like, we're going to rumble, and they sing a song about rumbling? I don't think that's the one. Garfield... The Garfield Halloween is where they start going down the river. Dressed as a pirate. And he's all about the candy. Candy, 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 candy. It's, if I recall correctly. I've not watched it in, in many moons. Not anti-Garfield. I, I like Garfield just fine. I just hadn't seen it in many moons. I have just a bunch of music that I never listened to. I mean, music that I don't even know why it's on here. Anyone else have that problem? Anyone else have music in their iTunes that, and I don't mean like the free U2 uh, album that was forced upon you. I, I mean like just music that you, you put in there because you thought, oh, I, you never know when. You never know when this might be something I'd like. But uh, then it's like, no, I don't like this at all. You know what? Let me play this while we're, um, <laughs> while I'm looking for some macabre music. This would be good. This is a good search in music. All right, searching down the, uh, continuing down the list here, um, to find to find just a macabre piece of music. 
For tonight, we're going to get into the macabre in, uh, ooh, you know what? Let me back up. <clears throat> because if we're going to go, if we're going to do things like I'm about to do them, let's just do them like this. All right, hold on. Let me start you over here. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and let me make sure that, uh. We're good to go there. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Bad Impersonations Theater. Tonight, we will do a reading and we'll read an excerpt from Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven, as read by Bullwinkle Moose. Hello. <clears throat> The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered, weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore. I feel like I've lost my bullwinkle, Rocky. Nothing up my sleeve. While I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. "'Tis some visitor,' I muttered, tapping at my chamber door. "'Only this and nothing more.' "'Aw, oh, it's me, Bullwinkle!' "'Aw, oh, distinctly I remember, it was in the bleak December, "'and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. "'Eagerly I wished the morrow, vainly I had sought to borrow, "'from my book's surcease of sorrow, sorrow for the lost Lenore.' For the rant and radiant Madian. Radiant. Radiant Madian? That's not right, Bullwinkle. <clears throat> Hello, Ruggie. <laughs> For the rare and radiant maiden, whom the angels name Lenore. Nameless here, forevermore. And the silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me. Filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before. East Moose and Squirrel. So that now, to still the beating of my heart, I stood repeating, "'Tis some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door. Some late visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door. That it is and nothing more. Presently my soul grew stronger, hesitating then no longer. Sir, said I, or madam, Truly your forgiveness I implore. But the fact is I was napping, so gently you came a-rapping. And so faintly you came tapping, tapping at my chamber door. That I scarce was sure I heard you. Here I opened wide the door. Darkness there, and nothing more. Ah, oh, this is getting creepy, Bullwinkle. He's moose and square. Deep into the darkness peering, long I stood there wondering, fearing, Doubting, dreaming, dreams no mortal ever dared to dream before. But the silence was unbroken, and stillness gave no token. And the only word there spoken was the whispered word, Lenore. This I whispered, and an echo murmured back the word, Lenore. Merely this and nothing more. Back into the chamber turning, all my soul within me burning. Soon I heard a tapping somewhat louder than before. Surely, said I. Surely this is something at my window lattice. Let me see what thread it is, and this mystery explore. 
Let my heart be still a moment, and this mystery explore. Tis the wind and nothing more. I thought there was supposed to be a raven in this thing somewhere. Some kind of bird? Is there a bird in this thing somewhere, Rocky? Well, yeah, Bullwinkle, but you just gotta get to the end. He's Moose and Squirrel. Hello, Rocky. Open here I flung the shutter, when with many a flirt and flutter, in there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not in the least obeisance made he, not a minute stopped or stayed he. Well, this is the raven he's talking about, Rocky. A lot of language here that I don't quite understand. But with mien of lord or lady perched above my chamber door, perched upon a bust of palace, just above my chamber door, perched and sat in nothing more. He just sat there, Bullwinkle. Yeah, I get that, Rocky. He's just sitting there, nothing more, sitting on a bust of palace. Do you know who palace was, Rocky? Let me wiki that for you. Then the seventy bird... Beguiling my sad face into smiling. We lost our we lost our good happy music. Then the seventy bird beguiling my sad face into smiling. He's a happy bird. By the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore. Though thy crest be shorn and shaven, thou, I said, art sure no craven, ghastly grim and ancient raven, wandering from the nightly shore. Tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's Plutonian shore. Quoth the raven, Nevermore. I just want to get to the Nevermore part, Rocky. That's my favorite part. He says Nevermore. Yeah, that's my part too. Now here's something you'll really enjoy. He's Moose and Squirrel. My embarrassment continues, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> Bad Impersonation Theater reading from Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. It's good at this macabre time of year. But that is going to wrap it up for us here on Geek Out Loud. Thanks everyone who's joined us live in the chat at mixler.com slash goliverse. Appreciate you guys uh, being a sci-fi now. <laughs> Appreciate you guys being a part of the live audience. It means the world to me. Thanks, everyone, who emailed in for this show. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. If you want to be like Dominic, send in a voicemail. We'll play it. I'll even play it without listening to it, for crying out loud. Because that's how I roll. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. Hey, check out geekoutonline.com, and there you can find the Goliverse Wall of Fame for everyone has a list of everyone who supported us over at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Patreon.com slash geekoutloud. And also you can find a place to sign up for the Goal Insider. That's the uh, Geek Out Loud newsletter that will go out every now and again when there's some news to be given. You'll find a link to uh, the Goldverse store where you can buy t-shirts. We have just a very few left. And, of course, uh, geekoutpodcast.com to find all of our different shows here on the Goldverse. Really excited uh, as Rock Out Loud will be returning next week. To cap off this particular week, though, we're going to do back-to-back big honking shows on Thursday and Friday. Looking forward to that. 
The Twitter is at GeekOutLoud. I'm at Steve Glosson on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook.com slash GeekOutLoud. And we're a proud part of the Shot Glass Digital Network. You can find that over at ShotGlassDigital.com. There you will find all kinds of great content. I can't thank you enough for clicking on the Amazon link using that to do your Amazon shopping at GeekOutOnline.com and helping the show out through the Amazon link there. And also, for those of you who support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash geekoutloud, you mean the world to me, and I greatly appreciate it. If you're not able to, you know what? You still mean the world to me. I appreciate you just listening, downloading, telling your friends about your safe place to geek out. Hopefully, you've had some fun tonight. I know I have. I appreciate you guys spending this time with me. Until next time, I'm Steve Glosson. We'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud. Geek Out Loud.